Good morning. How are you? Doing well? Good. Um, we're, we have a wonderful guest speaker today, um, whom I know personally, but before I introduce her, I wanted to share a few moments um, from the scripture. Um, in Luke 15, you all have a Bible? You can go to Luke 15. If you don't have a Bible, we will give you one, or we encourage you to get one, bring your own Bible. Bibles are under seats. Let me hear those pages. There we go. Love that sound. Luke 15, verse 1. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him, to hear him, him being Jesus, of course. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing." And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. You know, it's interesting when you read the Gospels. It's a little Bible study hint. You ready? Sometimes Jesus gives a teaching, and then his subsequent actions illustrate what he taught. Get what I'm saying? And then sometimes Jesus does something, a miracle maybe, and then he follows up the act by a series of teaching. In other words, his, his acts aren't random. His acts and his teaching actually illustrate one another. Uh, the obvious example is, is when Jesus fed the multitudes, and then we, in, in John, right after, or shortly after he fed the multitudes, there's this long discourse about him being the bread of life, Right? Because he had illustrated giving bread to the multitudes, and then he gives a discourse. So he, he illustrates by his life his very teaching. Uh, Jesus, it, it's very interesting to read Luke 15 through 19 and see how Jesus repeatedly brings up this theme of seeking, 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 seeking. And then when you get to chapter 19, we get this very odd story. <clears throat> In Luke 19, we have the story of Zacchaeus. I always, have, I always thought this was just a weird story. You know what I mean? This little short guy climbs up into a tree. And there's a kid's song about that, right? Yeah. So, Heather, you want to come up and sing it for us? No, okay. I didn't think so. <clears throat> but there's a lot of scriptures, you know, you know, that you're like, this is kind of odd. But then as you realize the context and what's going on in the broader book, or, or, you know, section of a book, you realize, oh, this is an illustration of something Jesus said. So Jesus talks in Luke 15 about 
um, seeking, right? Seeking the sheep, seeking the coin. And then we get to this passage in, in Luke, and I won't read the whole thing, but it's this little short guy climbs up in a tree to see Jesus. And then Jesus points him out, and Jesus says, I'll come to your home and dine with you. Well, he was a tax collector. And in those days, a tax collector was a bad person. Okay? Uh, the Jewish people, by and large, considered a tax collector a traitor to the Jewish people because he worked for the Romans, whom they despised because the Romans were oppressing them at the time. So uh, often in Scripture, you see this phrase, tax collector and sinner in the Gospels. Tax collector and sinners. So the tax collectors were just uh, a special class along with prostitutes that the, the Jewish people, and especially, I should say, the Jewish leaders despised. So when Jesus says, I'll come to your home, I'll dine with you, I'll fellowship with you, um, he was illustrating what he had been teaching, that he was seeking the lost. Okay? He was seeking the, not only the lost, but by using a tax collector, he was illustrating he was seeking the worst of the lost. The most despised. That's who Jesus was seeking. So he says, I'll come and dine with you. And then um, verse 7 of 19. But when they saw it, they all complained. These are the, the, the religious leaders saying, he has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Here's this, here's this pharisaical attitude again of, of, of judging others and condescending Toward others. Um, and Jesus said in verse 9, uh, Today salvation has come to this house because he's also a son of Abraham. For, verse 10, this is the key, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And so the story of Zacchaeus really does have a point because it illustrates what Jesus had been saying earlier and, and throughout Luke that his primary mission, his primary mission for coming was to seek and to save that which was lost. And I studied this word lost, and this, this word could mean that which was destroyed or that which was ruined. And you think of, of how Scripture talks about the fall of mankind, how we were created in God's image, in, in purity, in innocence, and, and, and we truly did reflect God in our original humanity. But then because of the fall, our, we were marred, or should we say, we were ruined. Our image was ruined. So Jesus comes to restore that divine image by saving, seeking and saving those who were ruined, which is really all of us, right? Um. And so I, I remind you of Jesus seeking and saving the ruined because that's exactly what Thrive Ministry does. They seek the least of these in that they seek to save the unborn, but they also seek to save the woman and even often the men who are involved in an un, what's called an unwanted or crisis pregnancy. And they reach out to the least of those in our society. And in that regard, they truly do model the heart of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, 
Jesus is still seeking today men and women and children. Jesus still today, through his church, is seeking the lost. Amen? So I'd like to welcome Diane Vaughn. She's the, the medical, uh, she has a long title. Uh, I'll just say she's really important. How's that? She's the medical director at Thrive St. Louis. So let's welcome Diane Vaughn. Give her a warm welcome. Good morning. I need to get organized here. Okay. Sounds good. Don't go far. Okay. I need um, Kathy Grinder, Lydia Vaughn, Austin McCartney is not here today, and Susie Snyder just to come up and join me for one moment, please. I have water. Thank you. Okay. So, um, just on behalf of Thrive, uh, I am actually not the medical director. I am, nope, come up, come up, come up. Um, I am the regional manager. So I have about a staff of 20 medical uh, folks in the patient services department that I manage. And we have three clinics. Um, we have four. You giving me bunny ears or anything? No? Okay. <laughs> um, we have about four um, mobile medical centers. So um, it's, it's a lot of responsibility. And uh, why in the world God uh, kind of thrust me in, into this position is because um, read 1 Corinthians, or is it 2 Corinthians? He uses weak things. He uses despised things. He uses foolish things. So, um, but on behalf of Thrive, uh, we would like to thank the pastors of this church, Mike, Justice, Greg, and David, for allowing us to have a service to tell you about uh, just what's going on with Thrive and to give you an update. Um, most of you I know, some of you I don't, but I usually come up here at least once in the month of January and share, and so I have a lot to share and a little time, but I do want to um, just also acknowledge Lydia. Lydia's my daughter. Lydia also does all the social media for Thrive St. Louis, so if you see anything on Twitter, um, Instagram, Facebook, uh, this is her. So she does a great job. She's amazing. Um, you're welcome. Kathy Grinder is actually, so Lydia, Lydia's on staff. Um, Kathy's on staff. Lydia, uh, Kathy is the administrative assistant for our St. Charles uh, uh, Medical Center. And um, we're so grateful to have her. She does an amazing job at the center. Um, she also um, not only manages the office, but she also does uh, what we call patient advocacy. So she, um, when, when women come to see us, they meet with a non-medical person. We call them the patient advocate, and that's what Kathy does do. Um, then they meet with a nurse. Then they meet with a stenographer. And oh, speaking of stenographers, we have one right here. Susie Snyder is a registered diagnostic medical stenographer. And Susie has been volunteering for Thrive um, for many years. So we appreciate all of our volunteers um, and grateful for her. She has um, probably one of the most important positions in um, really uh, introducing um, to that mother her baby for the first time um, during the ultrasound uh, procedure. So um, I'm, I'm sure um, Susie has a lot of stories. And if you ever, you know, want to hear more about them, ask her. Um, but anyways, thank you all for coming up here. Um, and before you go, 
One more thing. So I have to have my husband come back up here because, um, <laughs> because, no, no, just, just come, come okay, you can put that first slide up. Okay, so I love this quote. Okay, who's heard of Jim Elliott? Raise your hand. Okay, so the quote says, wherever you are, be all there. Live to the hilt every situation you believe to be the will of God. Well, Jim Elliott, he was a missionary to the Aka Indians in Ecuador in 56. Hang on, babe, hang on. And he lived to the hilt to what God had called him to. So much so that he... I was martyred by the very people he went to serve. So I know somebody else who is living to the hilt um, in God's calling on his life. That would be my husband. By the way, I just got to say commercial. Wendy uh, was the first person that greeted me this morning, and she brought me some Kleenex, and um, she said I was the queen of tears, and it says it's good to be the queen uh, on every tissue. <laughs> so, But I, I, I will try not to be a blubbering fool up here. Um, but um, so David, um, so some of you know he's authored some books, right? But he's also been acknowledged in some books. So um, George Grant, a pretty uh, renowned author, um, he wrote two very, very important books. One was Grand Illusions, which exposed what Planned Parenthood was doing. The other one is called Killer Angel, and that exposed the founder of Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger. Well, in the acknowledgments, and that book, Killer Angel, Angel, probably came out in 85. Five? Earlier? Later. 92. Yeah, I think 92. Okay. So, um, but in that book, Killer Angel, David uh, was acknowledged. Um, And it's just interesting um, that back then, who would have ever thought, fast forward to now, that we'd be doing what we're doing, I'm doing what I'm doing. It's just so interesting how God orchestrates the events in our life. And you young people, God could be doing something in your life right now. You have no idea how he's training and preparing you for 15 years ahead in the future. So anyways, David, um, he was um, given an award by Thrive this year. And um, it is an award um, for being a pioneer in the pro-life movement. Um, And when Thrive started in 1983, um, obviously there were very few people involved. Well, the founder, Mary Nelson, uh, was was impacted by a documentary um, called Whatever Happened to the Human Race by Frances Schaeffer. Through that, God called her to start Pregnancy Center in St. Louis. and to, to help with the crisis of abortion in our, in our community. And so she tried to get pastors involved. So David uh, was invited to go to her house, um, and then he became really one of the first speakers uh, to go to youth groups and churches to speak on pro-life issues and on the topic of abortion. And so I remember going with him. I was a young mom. I had um, 
Hannah as an infant in my arms. I'd be standing in the back of the room, and he'd be addressing hundreds of youth on the top topic of, of abortion. And so he's been a pioneer. He has preached from the pulpit year after year. He has preached the whole counsel of God, so he doesn't pick and choose. Um, he preaches on the hard things, abortion, homosexuality, all, all, all of these hard issues that we all need to, to know where we stand. But through scripture, he has given me and many people a lens in which to look at these topics, which is through God's word. So he's been definitely been a pioneer in the pro-life movement, and um, he was awarded the Vicki Cosney Award uh, for pioneering an innovative surface in the, af- in the affirmation of life. So this goes to you, babe. And we're grateful. <laughs> I get real hug. <laughs> Just really grateful for all you've done. And um, keep going. All right. And and by the way, you're like part of the big reason I'm here today and doing what I'm doing. Amen. So you're awesome. and there it is. So okay, you guys can go back. Thank you. I'll hug Lydia later. Okay. Um, so Vicki Cosney, who, who was she? She was one of Thrive's, and of course back then it wasn't called Thrive. It was called Crisis Pregnancy Center. And um, she was one of the organization's first volunteers. She was a very, very faithful volunteer and volunteered well over 20 years. And so um, every year, Thrive awards somebody the Vicki Cosney Award. And this year, David got it, um, and rightfully so. Okay. So, this is an interesting uh, picture here. Um, I think I have notes somewhere. Okay. Um, This is the front cover of Life magazine. It came out in April of 1965. That was eight years before the infamous Roe v. Wade uh, was uh, legalized abortion through the Supreme Court. So, eight years. Now, in this um, issue, it was the first time that this is an 18-week-old uh, baby in utero. It's, it was the first time anything like this was shown publicly in a magazine. And if, if you swept through the issue, uh, it, went, it went over all these developmental stages of life in utero in the mother's womb. And they were real pictures because of technology, which is amazing, um, that, that they could actually take these images. So think about it, eight years before the legalization of abortion. You could go to the next one, Mike. Okay, so eight years later, January 22nd, 1973, was when the Supreme Court Court passed this law legalizing abortion in our nation. That year, a group of people said, we, this this is absolutely wrong. And we, we will march every year on Washington, D.C. to let them know that human life is deserving of, of dignity and value and worth and sanctity. And so um, they started marching um, in that year, every year, and it... On the bottom there, you can see that was the cover of the New York Times. And underneath where it says Lyndon Johnson, it says, High Court Rules Abortion Legal the First Three Months. 
and that's a picture of the Supreme Court. So um, shame on the Supreme Court, shame on them, because they knew that what was going to be aborted was not products of conception. Eight years earlier, it was flat in their face. This is a human being. And obviously, scientifically speaking, um, it is proven that life begins at conception. Um, there is there's no, no doubt about that. So shame on the Supreme Court. Since then, it's been 45 years. 45 years, people have marched on the streets of Washington, D.C. to say, this is wrong and human life should be valued um, and not discarded. So since then, um, there's been about approximately 60 million, some say a little over 60 million abortions that have occurred in the United States. If you filled up the 18 states there with the population that they have, that would be equal to the number of abortions that have occurred in the past 45 years. So it's, it's kind of a... Um, puts things in perspective, and, it, and it's very shocking. Uh, but, but I feel like we need to be shocked. The church needs to be shocked. This is happening every day. Every day. How many more states are going to get filled up? Um, so Thrive. So Thrive, praise God, um, is here for such a time as this. And praise God for Mary Nelson. I, I um, very much... Um, uh, and I'm so inspired by her courage, and she was just one one person. But yet, look what God can do through one person. So Thrive, what are we? We are a Christ-centered organization that empowers young men and women to make life-affirming, esteemable, and healthy decisions about pregnancy and relationships. Um, I wanted to share a little bit about... Um, the March for Life, and that, that Thrive actually went there for the first time. Uh, and, and, it, and it seemed like the Lord just kind of opened the door. We had never been represented there. Um, but for some reason, um, in the 11th hour, I kind of had the sense that I'm supposed to go. Thrive's supposed to go. So I emailed my boss and president of Thrive, Bridget Van Means, an amazing um, visionary, extraordinary visionary leader, um, who is also very inspiring to me. Um, I email her and I just say, "Hey, Bridget, you know, I'm, I'm just getting this this sense that you know I think Thrive needs to go to the March for Life this year. What do you think?" And she's like, "You know, I'm having that same sense." And I said, "You know, I'm not a crowd person. I'm a homebody. I kind of like being at home. I, I don't really like to go places, but for some reason, I'm I'm feeling like I need to go." And she's like, okay, she's like, well, um, why don't you um, think of some, and this is my boss, think of some um, objectives, clear objectives, and then some set outcomes for why we should go. I'll talk to the board. So she, um, I do that, um, and we get a total green light. So off to Washington we went. And I drove one of our mobile units um, there, 15-hour uh, drive. It was quite, quite um, the journey, but we made it, and, and God just confirmed in so many ways uh, that we were to be there. But while we were there, 
Um, we also attended uh, a conference. It was the Evangelicals for Life conference, and that was really, really good. But here, um, can you, I'm sorry, can you back up real quick? Um, so here, uh, the four of us, um, Carolyn is on the left of me, and then Bridget Van Means is on the right, uh, and then Michaela. Um, Carolyn on the right, she uh, is the director of our St. Charles Center, and then Michaela on the left, she's our helpline specialist. So if any of you people want to call and be a fake patient and see how good she does on the phone, she's awesome. If you're abortion-minded, if you're thinking about abortion, she will reel you in, she will make an appointment for you. And it's, it's, she's, uh, she's right where she's supposed to be. So anyways, the four of us, it was, it was very, very... Um, just uh, such a blessing, and I can't even put it into words, to be with them, to march um, in what they think might have been the biggest March for Life. There were hundreds of thousands of people there. I'm not a crowd person, and God gave me a lot of grace. There were a couple times where I was feeling like, kind of anxious, and then I'd go, okay, you guys, we need to kind of go to the side of the crowd so I could, like, have a way of escape or something, <laughs> and then, um, but it was good. God got me through it, and it was good, and my, my family knows, my husband knows. I don't even like to go into places like um, Costco or um, those big stores, superstores. It just, I don't know. Anyways, um, but God gave me grace. And um, there we are standing in front of the Supreme Court, and then we're, we were at the conference, uh, that picture below, and it, um, we were able to network and actually promote Thrive Nation. So Thrive has actually busted out of Missouri, and I have a slide in a few, few minutes, and I'll tell, tell you a little bit more about that. But um, I want to tell you something that happened to the Supreme Court. I have seen things that not, that not everybody gets to see. And um, one particular instance was when we finally made it up Constitutional Avenue to the Supreme Court, um, we, we prayed, and, um, and kind of standing right next to me was this gentleman. And all of a sudden, I heard him just start yelling out and groaning, and it was inexpressible words. And then he started kind of swaying, and then he started leaning like, like toward me, and I, I'm like, and, and, and then I kind of helped lower him to the ground, and there's police everywhere up there, and all of a sudden a bunch of them come down, and I'm, you know, the nurse in me kicks in, and I'm like, sir, sir, are you okay? Do you have a medical condition? Can you hear me? What is your name? Um, I'm taking his pulse, and he's like, just, it almost was like he might have been seizing. Um, and then all of a sudden, he, he gets up, and I'm with these police officers. He gets up, and we're like, no, sir, you have to stay on the ground. Well, we found a chair. We got a chair. We sat him down. All of a sudden, he pops back up, and I kind of stepped out of the way, and I'm glad I did. But all of a sudden, he, he is right at the, at the fence, and so the steps are right there of the Supreme Court. And all of a sudden, he starts urinating on the steps of the Supreme Court. And you saw all the police officers jump, oh, no, no, don't do that. Too late. How many people get to see that? <laughs> and I hope, I hope not that many, okay? 
but, but you, you have to understand that the imagery that went through my mind is that could it be that this is what God thinks of that law that passed? And shouldn't it be what the church thinks of that law that was passed? I will never forget this image. And the fact that we were there for the very purpose of sanctity of human life. Protesting that they passed a law that you could kill innocent life in the womb at any time up to the nine months. Crazy. You can go to the next slide. Um, now, this is really cool, and God is so good to his children because he gives us treats. He gives us special, special gifts. And the more you walk with the Lord, I hope, I hope you're the recipient because he loves us, and he knows the desires of our heart. So back when I was in nursing school, um, who knows Johnny Erickson Tata? Okay, I'm familiar with her story. She was 17 years old. She had a diving accident, became a quadriplegic. She's one of my heroes. And back in nursing school, I was introduced to her story. And it impacted me. I was a young baby believer. I was going through nursing school. I um, headed up an organization called Christian Nurses, Nurses Fellowship. And you know what? you got to love baby believers because they think they can do anything, right? So I, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I'm like, I'm heading up this, this little ministry here, and and I'm going to see if what happens at this school. So um, we always try to do these outreach events uh, to the students there. So I thought, okay, I'm going to show Johnny the film that, that shows and talks about what happened to her and how God used it in her life. Um, and um, because it had a lot of medical stuff in it, and Johnny actually plays the part in that movie. She plays herself. If you've never seen the movie, I'm sure you can find it, watch it. Astounding. Um, and so we decided we were going to show this. We had an auditorium full of nursing students. And back then, um, David, who obviously is, obviously is now my husband, but wasn't back then, we weren't even dating, um, I had asked him to come and share the gospel after, after the, the movie was done. And it was, it was one of, on one of those big reels, you know, so you young people are probably like, oh, what is she talking about? Um, but I loved the way it sounded when it was done. Anyways, um, so, so that was really, really cool. The thing about Johnny that really impacted me and inspired me was that, and now she's been in that chair, chair, wheelchair for 50, over 50 years. Over 50 years bound in a wheelchair. She has to have everything done for her. Um, but the, and the thing that really struck me back then, and this is when I was at kind of like at a crossroads with my Christian faith. Was I going to go all in with Jesus or was I not? And Johnny and her story was like, she surrendered her life to God completely and utterly and was totally decided to, to be sold out for Christ. And so I wanted to follow her example. So, so, so yeah, little did I know she was going to be one of the speakers at this conference. Little did I know I'd get to get a picture with her and I got to share my story with her. Um, most of you know my mom was in a coma for about three years before she died. 
And so right out of nursing school, I, I did work on a rehab floor. I worked with quads and paraplegics and stroke patients and head injury patients. Um, but um, it, it, it was a sweet, um, very surprising and unexpected blessing from God to meet one of my heroes of the faith. So I do want to play this little clip of Johnny during her talk. I videotaped this. It's probably one of the most important things she said. Um, she's written a lot of books, and she's written several devotional books, and I have given them out as gifts before. Um, she, they, they just reprinted this and updated this edition of When Is It Right to Die? When we talk about the sanctity of human life, we're really not talking anymore just about the preborn. We're talking about the disabled. We're talking about the elderly. We're talking about, um, uh, you know, the Downs children. All of these fall into that category that are very, very vulnerable to being snuffed out of life. In, his, in her book, um, When Is It Right to Die?, I wanted to read uh, just a quote by, um, this was written, it's, it's kind of towards the, the end of the book, and it's writ, written by um, Everett, C. Everett Koop, who was the state surgeon, United States surgeon um, in the 80s. And he said this, 30 years ago and earlier, the debate about euthanasia centered around pain that could not be relieved. Today, when it is possible, in almost every case, to relieve pain and suffering, the debate has shifted to ending the lives of those despairing of their situation, who don't want to die of their diagnosis who know they are incurable, or who have lost self-command, dignity, or quality of life. So we have moved away from euthanizing people who may be in pain, physical pain, to euthanizing them because now they're discouraged and despairing of their life. And if you're in that situation, could it be that you're really not in your right mind to think clearly about your life. Because we are not our own. We belong to God. And you don't know, this person, though they despair of life, God could be using and doing so many things in the people's lives around them that they're connected to. Um, we have a lot to be concerned about. We have a lot to pray about because this issue is of life definitely goes beyond the preborn. Um, and so I love Johnny's ministry, and, and you know, she is now just speaking so much more. Um, she's speaking up much more about uh, issues that occur regarding the right to die and what we hear, that verbiage that we hear nowadays. Um, so, and and sh she should speak up because her quality of life is such that Someone could deem it, well, what are you contributing to society? So, okay, next slide. All right. Okay, so uh, I got to tell you this story about Jake. You can see Jake. I wish I had a laser pointer. But Jake is up there. Um, that's our mobile center. We name all our units. Okay. It's just easier, and it stands for something. But Jake, yes, thank you. It's right there. Okay. So now back behind the trees, you can see the Capitol. You see the Capitol? Can you, can you kind of outline the Capitol with that laser pointer? Where'd that go? 
Yeah, so you see it, the capital back there? Okay, so as you can imagine, with hundreds of thousands of people and security everywhere, uh, one of our big, big prayer requests was, how are we going to get Jake visible during the march? How are we going get to get him visible? And we prayed, God, give us a parking space. God, give us a parking space. We asked that God would make our, our path a highway, and he did. We asked for good weather, and he did. We asked for uh, a good parking space, and he came through. Because we... We had parked Jake. We found this one spot. We parked there. And then we decided to walk closer to the Capitol and the ending of the, the, the march um, to see if we could find something closer. So we walk, and all of a sudden, we see this amazing spot. And nobody's there. And so we're like, OK, Michaela, stand there in that spot at that meter. We'll go get Jake, come back, and you can save our spot. And so we run back to go get Jake. We drive uh, to this parking space. And as we're driving up, we see two big cones in the spot. And Michaela's kind of standing up on the grass. And we're thinking, oh my goodness, what, what are those cones? What, what's going on? So we pulled up. I, I rolled down the window. And I'm like, Michaela, did someone else climb the spot? She's like, no. I just looked behind me, and there were two cones. So I just decided to put them there to save the spot. <laughs> And so, so we parked Jake there. You could see the Capitol. It was like, it was perfect. You could see Jake at the tail end of the march. Um, so God is good. So, so awesome. Um, those are just some pictures of just the mass of people. Um, one was at the rally. That was at the march itself. You can go on. Um, and this was historic because um, this was the first time we had a president address the marchers. Um, so this is the 45th march. He is the 45th president, and he addressed the marchers. Him by satellite, so he was on, uh, on a big screen. Him, um, the vice president, and the speaker of the house all shared briefly, and what they shared was very, very good, and I appreciated it very, very much. Um, but what was really neat about when our president spoke, all of a sudden, up above, this, this mass of people, you saw these two bald eagles flying. I've never seen a bald eagle in my life. So that's a picture of the eagle. If you want to know some symbolism about the eagle, look it up. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Um, so, all right, you can go to the next slide. These are just some of the pictures or the posters that I kind of took some pictures of. Um, Dr. Seuss made it. A person is a person, no matter how small. Uh, we have scripture, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, Proverbs 31, 8. Um, we are the pro-life genera generation. You young people, there are way more of you who are pro-life than who are for abortion. So, so way to go, way to be pro-life, the pro-life generation. Um, and then, of course, we have uh, signs that said defund Planned Parenthood. They are the largest abortion provider in the United States. Um, there's probably about 650 clinics throughout the states. Uh, as opposed to almost approximately 2,000 pregnancy medical center centers in the United States. Um, and we hope that slowly those um, Planned Parenthood uh, clinics will continue to diminish. Um, so you can pray for that. So Thrive Nation, we have gone national. We have some Thrives in Texas, in Orlando, Florida, um, in um, we in um, Savannah, Georgia, and we have some pending, and you probably can't see, but in Pennsylvania, in Virginia, in Indiana, in Illinois. Um, so it's, it's pretty exciting. Um, and, and now my, my job is getting 
bigger. So I will take whatever prayer you want to send my way. But okay, that's exciting. Also, we're, we're in Uganda. And when we were at the conference, this gentleman from, um, oh, where was he from? Uh, I don't remember. But it was, it was a country in Africa, and he wants us to bring Thrive there. So, um, and even though we're going abroad, we're going, you know, na- I mean, national, uh, our main mission remains uh, to this community, to St. Louis. So six days a week, you will see one of our mobile units parked across the street um, from Planned Parenthood on Forest Park, Park Parkway. Um, that's the only one in the state of Missouri that does surgical abortions. Uh, up in the, the state of Missouri, the law is up to 20, 21 weeks, six days. And then usually they'll go over to Illinois, Granite City. There's another clinic, abortion clinic there. Uh, and they can get an abortion up to 24, almost 24 weeks. Um, but we, we provide our unit there, and we provide medical staff so we can be an alternative. Some women, that's all they, they think is their, is, is their option. They, they, they don't feel like they have any other option. And there's so many ways that Thrive can help them. So, you know, once they come to us, um, it's, it's very non-judgmental. It's very um, non-manipulative. And we believe that a woman has a right to be fully informed about her decision. Um, one of the things that we implemented this past year, which was really, really cool, was we found out that the state of Missouri, we have some great pro-life legislators, praise God. Um, and so they have, um, through, through laws, um, they came up with um, what's called um, consent, uh, informed consent. And so they developed a book. It's put out by the, the Missouri Health Department. And if you go to abortion provider in the state of Missouri, they have to give you this book. It's called Missouri's Informed Consent Booklet. And one of the, on the first page, it'll say that a woman has the right to know that um, from the moment of, of, of conception, the DNA um, reveals a totally unique, separate human being from the mother. Abortion providers have to give this information to women. Now, how thorough they go over it, I don't know. But um, then it also lays out just a beautiful page after page of fetal development. Um, and then it, they're also supposed to let that woman know where they can go for an alternative. So sometimes we'll get actually people coming to Thrive who are like, how'd you hear about us? Oh, Planned Parenthood referred me. And by law, they have to, okay? So um, praise God for that. Praise God for that good law. Now, some informed consent laws across the states now are being challenged. So you can keep that in your prayers. Um, But we do everything in here, you know, pregnancy tests, ultrasounds. um, So six days a week. Um, Okay, next slide. Um, This is... uh, one of the, the moms that came over from, she walked out of Planned Parenthood and she came onto the mobile unit and she, this is her quote, through Thrive I learned that I didn't make a mistake giving a chance of life to another, even when circumstances suggested abortion was the only way. So that's her and her baby. So cute. Okay. Um, and there's our little mobile fleet. So the two smaller units, those go on college campuses. Um, we're getting more colleges um, being a little bit more open to us. We did receive some opposition this past year, and I'll tell you a little bit about that in a second. But we got kicked out of one, kicked off of one campus, which was unfortunate. But, okay, so 
some of our services that we offer. They're all free. They're all confidential. Um, so, okay. Um, and Austin, Austin actually is part of the Best Choice program, and he's heading up a new curriculum for churches and church youth groups, and it's really exciting, and I wish he was here to say a little bit about it, but he's not. He's actually speaking in another church. So um, this is kind of some of our stats. I'm just going to, um, our last fiscal year, uh, there was uh, about 1,850, 1,850 children that were rescued from abortion. Um, and then we had about seven, 37 um, women accept Christ. Uh, we, in our program, the Best Choice program, where we go into, other, we go into schools, public schools and private schools, and go over um, a risk avoidance program on sex, uh, sexual health education, um, we uh, had about 18,730 students here, the Best Choice. Um, a lot of volunteer hours, and... Um, I did want to also mention that we gave away uh, 1,250 Bibles and 2,391 gospel, the gospel presentations were given. So, um, you know, if you feel like you have the gift of evangelism, um, it's not every day in everyday life that you can actually share the gospel with someone unless you're really intentional. At Thrive, every day you can have the opportunity to lead a woman to Christ. Um, and we, we don't do that. We don't beat anybody's head over the Bible, uh, beat their head with the Bible, um, or push Jesus down their throat. Um, if they don't want to hear or have a spiritual conversation, that's fine. We are addressing them holistically. So we want to address their physical needs, mental, emotional needs, even spiritual needs. So, okay. All right, so um, we've gotten a lot of opposition. Um, I have a video clip that's really fun and cool. Um, about some of it, you're going to see images. It goes pretty fast, but you're going to see images of one particular woman who was very instrumental in leading the efforts, a misinformation campaign that was weaponized against Thrive that labeled Thrive as a fake clinic we are, we don't, that we don't use any medical people. Um, they um, basically said that the best choice program was uh, to promote Christianity. Um, obviously, when they're, in the, when they're in the public schools, they can't bring up you know, the, the gospel um, or references to God, and they don't. Um, but um, so you'll see images of her, some pictures of her. And then um, we had protests in front of our Thrive Clinic down in the city on Lindell. You'll see pictures of that. So go ahead. <laughs> Thrive lives, yes. So this past year, I got to see my boss um, need a bodyguard. Um, we had a lot of school board meetings. We had um, you know, some aggressive people. And you saw some slides that talked about the Satanic Temple. Well, we actually had them come after us. And then you saw a slide where that um, chapter totally uh, defunct and went away, which, praise God, I mean, lots of prayer went, um, went into that. But um, the head of that, Lady Gehenna, she actually um, had some... Um, made th physical threats to, to Bridget. So, um, but yeah, we, we made it on local news, um, and, and, and the opposition was real. And so for some of us at Thrive, it was, it was tough. It was hard because it, it, it made you have to take a position now because, you know, social media is pretty powerful, and people start, the more you hear about something, you can actually start to believe it if you don't know your facts, if you don't do your homework, and you don't do your research, and you don't look into the inquiries. 
And so we actually lost some staff members because they had either family members or friends that started to put pressure on them, and they couldn't stand. And so um, it was tough, and it was a defining moment for a lot of us. Um, and I came across this quote, great quote, and I'm going to read it. It says, if you have no, oh, you have no enemies, you say. Alas, my friend, the boast is poor. He who has mingled in the fray of duty that the brave endure must have made foes. If you have none, small is the work that you've done. You've hit no traitor on the hip. You've dashed no cup from perjured lip. You've never turned the wrong to right. You've been a coward in the fight. People who work for Thrive, people who volunteer for Thrive, people who pray for Thrive, people who give to Thrive have to be brave hearts. Um, they, they just have to be brave hearts now. Um, so I, I love uh, that, that God allowed me to, to find that quote because sometimes you can be shaken and you can be like, gosh, we're getting all this negative you know, feedback and criticism. Maybe we, are we on the right side? And then you see this. And then you remember Jesus Christ who was crucified and we march on. So um, this is a cool image. This just happened recently. We had a gal who was abortion-minded. She was having twins. And you can see the twins did a little fist bump. Can you see that? All right. So, so that was so, so cool. There's a laser if you want to show. If you oh, want to that okay. Ooh. All right. Let's see. Ooh. So there's an arm, there's an arm, and they're doing a little fist bump. And this mom, this mom literally said, what am I going to do with two? I guess I'm just going to have to love them both. So um, that, that was very, very exciting. They were 23 weeks old, and um, mom chose to keep them. So, um, so lastly, thank you for letting me go on and carry on. Um, very thankful to be in a church body that um, is supportive of Thrive and supportive of what I do. Um, Past couple years, obviously, I, I have not been around as much as I would have been as a pastor's wife when I directed um, the women's ministry. But God has raised other people up, and um, I'm clearly where I'm, I'm supposed to be. And I thank you just for your support, and I thank you for your prayers. You guys have given in a lot of ways prayer. You've donated items. We've had diaper drives. You've bought clothes. Um, you've filled baby bottles. You volunteered time. Um, you've you've physically come to some of our events, which means so much to us. And some of you spoke up at, at school board meetings, which meant a lot, too. So, so thank you, thank you very much for that. Um, just want to encourage you to keep on. I do have a table back there if you're interested in any of that information. And I would love to do um, a baby bottle campaign. So if each family could take a baby bottle, fill it up with your coins, your extra change that you leave laying around, you would be astounded how much money that brings in to Thrive. So um, I'm hoping that we could have the bottles back by the end of February. So thank you again and um, appreciate your continued prayers. Baby bottles are right like that. All right. Why don't we uh, close with uh, some prayer? For why don't we have the volunteers come up that were up here, our, our staff, Kathy, um, 
Lydia, Susie, is anybody else volunteering currently? Sit in the front. While we have the elders come out and pray with them. Lord, we thank you for uh, the efforts of these ladies here. Thank you for Diane for um, giving many of us an update on the work that you're doing through Thrive and through the pro-life organizations, God, and that there is hope, Lord, that you, with you in the picture, God, there is always hope. We thank you for um, the stand of Thrive in the midst of unpopularity, in the midst of all the attacks, Lord, and um, I thank you for many, many, many people in this room who have stood with them in prayer and encouragement and emails, Lord, and that you have continued to shine in the darkness. I pray for these ladies specifically that your hand of protection would be upon them, that your hand of blessing would be upon them, God, that they would continue to um, persevere, to know that um, your, your ways and your ends are much greater than the world's, and it will always be worth it to stand um, on your side, God. So be with them, Lord. Uh, be with us, God. Continue to have this church um, be solid on this issue, Lord, to stand for life, to fight for life, to believe, Lord, um, in life from the very um, early stages, Lord, um, to the last breath, God. Yes, God, we do thank you um, for these women and for those who serve at Thrive. Um, we just ask that you would send your Holy Spirit to encourage them, God. Um, encourage them when they feel weak and beaten down. Help them not to grow weary um, in doing good, Lord, um, and working to save life. Um, God, uh, there will be a harvest. Um, thank you just for all the lives that have been saved um, through their work and through Thrive um, this year and in the previous years. God, um, thank you for working through your people and moving on hearts. And um, God, thank you for the women who received Christ this last year. Um, Lord, fill these four with the Holy Spirit. Help them to continue to go forward and to um, be bold um, in witness and in faith and um, to just continue what they're doing. In Jesus' name. Lord Jesus, we thank you that uh, you've called and commissioned and equipped uh, these women here as well as many other staff and volunteers at Thrive to uh, live out what it means to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus. Lord, as we reminded ourselves today, you came to seek and to save that which was lost. And so they are seeking through the ministry the lost, those that are morally confused and lost, those who are spiritually confused and lost. We thank you for the many lives, literally lives that have been saved. We thank you for the men and women that have come to a saving knowledge of you, Jesus, through this ministry, the souls that have been saved. Just thank you for all the good work that you were doing in them and through them. I ask, dear Lord, that you would give them spiritual wisdom and discernment. They'd be wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. Remind them regularly, Lord, that they are on the front line of a spiritual battle. Not just a moral battle or a cultural battle, a spiritual battle. They will be attacked. Their marriages will be attacked. Their children will be attacked. They, they will uh, feel the reality of spiritual warfare. I pray, God, that you'd make them strong in faith, strong in prayer. Give them sound minds and strong hearts. Dear Lord Jesus, uh, fully equip them to uh, stand against evil, 
and against the evil one. We pray this for them and for all the staff and volunteers at Thrive. And pray, God, that uh, you might move upon others here today to, to give, to pray, and to volunteer for life. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen.